Wake up, it's time for church. Good morning, everyone. My name is Grant, one of the pastors here at Cedar Valley Church, set up in my office slash laundry room slash studio for the time being, uh, here to welcome you to our online service. In just a moment, we're going to be led in a couple of worship songs. Uh, there will be lyrics on your screen uh, so you can sing along, you can hum or do nothing at all, whatever you are comfortable with. And after that, we've got part two of a story and activity for kids coming from Pastor Doug, and we're going to wrap it all up with a great message from Pastor Rob. While we're doing our part to protect the community and ourselves from COVID-19, we're gathering entirely online or through digital means. And uh, all of our communication right now, most of it's gonna be happening on Facebook, Instagram, and through email. You can sign up for these email chains and uh, communication at cedarvalley.ca. You'll see a newsletter right at the bottom there. And you'll also see a banner at the top, just giving you any information or updates about how COVID-19 is affecting the ministries that we're doing here at Cedar Valley Church. While you're on the website, take a chance to click on the button or tab that says give, and that'll take you to a whole bunch of options for how you can continue giving and supporting to the ministries uh, and, and work of Cedar Valley during this time remotely. And we're so encouraged and thankful for how you've been faithful with your finances even while we're meeting remotely like this. But if you have any questions about how you can jump in on that support, head over to the website and you'll get all the information that you need to do that. Next week is Easter. I don't know if it came up fast for any of you, but it just came like a freight train to us. But here we are, Palm Sunday. Next week is Easter. And sadly, we are going to miss gathering together as a Church of Mission for Good Friday. But we still really want to have a time of intimate prayer and worship together. So stay tuned, keep your ears open because we have some plans we're putting together to still unite on Good Friday and Easter. We have some activities for the whole family. We have some uh, means of worship and design that we can just really engage in the remembrance of that weekend together. Uh, and trust me, it's going to be fantastic. We don't have all the details ironed out yet, but do stay tuned for that. And other than that, we're going to jump into a time of singing worship together. Uh, but first, if you are watching this live, hop over to the chat and tell everybody about something that you've been the most thankful for having around the house during this stay at home season. church family it's uh brad and jen and we would just like to invite you to worship along with us today jesus let your kingdom come here 
Hey Cedar Valley kids, it is great to see you again this Sunday. Thanks so much for being a part of our Bible lesson last week. And you know what? We're going to continue on with some more stories. So I'm going to take you over here and we're going to start with Esther and look at her life and what God did with her. Ah, oh, and then do you remember Esther from Esther chapter 5? She was just a young girl and she loved God. But she lived in a city where the king and the leaders they really didn't know God at all. Well, one day, Esther, she was called by the king to become his new queen. Wow, she was so excited. 
But then one of the king's men, he says, oh, I don't like the people that believe in God like Esther. He says, we're going to hurt them all. And she went and she was really brave and told the king about his friend's bad plan. And then God stopped him from doing that. And God puts us right where we need to be to help others. Oh, do you remember Job? He looks pretty sad, doesn't he? You know, Job had a lot of good things. He had a nice house, a big farm, a great family. But then he got sick. He got really, really sick. You remember all of the sores he had from his head right down to his feet? Oh, it was so sad. But you know what? He kept believing in God, and God would help him, even when times were sad. And sometimes... Sadness stays with us, but God is right there, even if the hard times stay with us. But then he helped Job get better in the end, and that was so good. Well, and then there was David. Remember when him? His job, when he was just a young boy, was to take care of the sheep on his dad's farm. And he would go out with the sheep and into the fields. Sometimes there would be a bear or a lion, it says, it came running out of the bush. And he would protect the sheep. And all those times that he spent out in the field with the sheep, he remembered that God protects us and cares for us. So we remember that God watches over us. Well, then there was Jeremiah. And you know what? God wanted Jeremiah to tell everybody about God. But the problem was, the people that Jeremiah was going to go talk to, they didn't want to believe in God. They didn't want to listen to what was said in the Bible. And they wanted to do stuff that was bad. So kind of the problem was, that Jeremiah had to go tell people that they were being bad. And he didn't really want to do that. But God told him, you know what? I know you can do it because I'm going to give you the words and it's going to be really good, even if people don't want to hear it. And Jeremiah did a great job talking about God. So God knows who we are and what we can do for him. We have three more to go. Ah, oh, remember these guys? in the fiery furnace. That's right, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And they were supposed to worship a great big idol of the king. And they said, no way, we're only going to worship God. But they said, if you don't worship the idol, you're going to get thrown in the furnace. And they said, well, that's going to happen then. So they got thrown into the furnace. But then there was another person with them that came and saved them. God sent an angel. And then they were pulled out of the furnace and they didn't even get scorched. And God protects us. He helps us stand strong, even if we're a little bit worried. And then there was Daniel. He lived in the same city. And the king there said, I want you to pray only to me. And Daniel says, no, I believe in God. I'm only going to pray to God. And he says, well, if you don't pray to me, you're going to get thrown in the den with the lions. And Daniel says, I guess that's going to happen. So he believed that God would help him, and God won't let us down. He saved Daniel from the sharp teeth of the hungry lions. And then the king actually believed in God too. And for our last one this morning, do you remember Jonah? Jonah, he believed in God, but there was a city called Nineveh, huge city, None of the people believed in God. And God said, Jonah, I want you to go tell them about me. Jonah says, I don't really want to go. And so he ran the other way. He jumped on a boat. There was a big storm. And he got thrown off the boat. And then as he was sinking down in the water, a great big fish swallowed him up. 
And said, God, God said to him, are you ready to go tell the people about me? And Jonah goes, yeah, I am. And he went all the way to Nineveh. Once he got onto the beach, he walked all the way there and he told them. And it says the whole city said, we want to believe in God too. And it was so wonderful. So even though Jonah didn't show mercy to the people at first, God still loves us and shows us mercy. Now, these were some of the stories that we all learned about this past year in Bible Adventures. So, right now, on your laptop or computer or on, on your phone, get your mom and dad to type in which one of these stories is your favorite and why you like that one. And maybe even, what do we learn about God from these great stories in the Bible? Thanks so much for being a part of our lesson today. We're going to see you next week here for our next Bible lesson. Have a great day. What a week! Jesus arrived in Bethany on Friday, six days before the Passover, to hang out with some friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and to celebrate the Sabbath beginning at sunset. This was when Mary um, anointed Jesus' feet with that costly perfume as an expression of her devotion to him, and what Jesus would defend as an anointing for his burial. Then Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry. Palm Sunday began with Jesus and his disciples traveling over the Mount of Olives. The Lord sent two of his disciples into the village of Bethpage to find an animal for him to ride. They found a donkey, or a colt in some translations, just as Jesus said they would. They untied the donkey, and then they were asked by the owners, uh, what are you guys doing there? The disciples replied, just as Jesus instructed them, the Lord needs it. And that, it seems, was sufficient enough explanation that they took it. It's amazing. Maybe even more amazing, though, is that the prophet Zechariah, approximately 450 years before Jesus' arrival on the planet, saw this coming. He said, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem, see your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Would the crowd remember this, though? Would the crowd that grew up with this story forget this part? So off the disciples went with their beast of burden, they brought the donkey to Jesus, threw their cloaks on it, and put Jesus on it. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. So we might ask, what's with the cloaks and the branches? 
The cloaks were more than an act of chivalry, to be sure, like when a gentleman spreads a coat over a puddle so a lady can safely pass without getting her shoes dirty. Remember those days. The spreading of cloaks, it seems, in this context, was a sign of deference and honor and an act of submission to authority. As it was for Jehu when he was anointed king of Israel. So the story goes in 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 13. This uh, is told there. They, his fellow officers, Jehu's fellow officers, hurried and took their cloaks and spread them under him on the bare steps. Then they blew the trumpet and shouted, Jehu is king. As for the branches, why we call this Sunday, Palm Sunday, there are two ways in which you might think about them, one looking backwards and one looking forwards. The palm branches call us back to the Feast of Booths, a feast designed to remind Israel of God's guidance out of Egypt, which included the use of palm branches in their celebration of the harvest. And the palm branches call us forward to a heavenly scene in Revelation where John records in chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one can count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing there before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and they were holding, you guessed it, palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. John, who alone among the gospel writers specifies that they were palm branches, compares the triumphal entry into an earthly Jerusalem with what will happen in a heavenly Jerusalem with multitudes, palm branches, and shouts to the Lord. So cool. And then, when Jesus came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples, the whole crowd, not just the twelve, began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. And they shouted together, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord! Peace in heaven and glory in the highest! The crowd was stoked. They had laid down their branches and cloaks, making way for their king. And now they added their voices to the tumult. They were quoting Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26, which was an acknowledged prophecy of the Christ, and says, O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This allusion to this messianic psalm really cheesed off the religious leaders in the crowd that day, who then asked Jesus to rebuke his disciples, to which Jesus responded, and I'm paraphrasing it slightly here to say it this way, I, I could rebuke them, I suppose, and then from ver verbatim, but if they kept quiet, the stones will cry out. He is the Lord of the wind and the rain, after all. So began Jesus last week on planet Earth. Let me ask you, if you had one week to live, and you knew it, he did, did Jesus, 
What would you do with it? Jesus cleared the temple the next day. It was a Monday. He began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. To which you might ask, why did Jesus do this? Just three observations. I would say because these Jewish vendors were ripping off godly non-Jews who had come to celebrate Passover. And they're doing that with inflated currency exchanges, which was required uh, to pay the temple tax. So if I'm coming with my own sort of currency, I have to change it into the local currency. And they were overcharging for that exchange. And they were also jacking up the prices for animals for temple offerings, even including overcharging, and it's specific here to uh, the selling of doves, uh, which would have been some offering that only poor families would make, basically. So imagine that, right? Overcharging on the exchange of monies for the temple tax and overcharging the poor for an offering that they would want to make. Secondly, because these Jewish vendors not only took financial advantage of these pilgrims, they robbed the temple of its sanctity. And then thirdly, because these Jewish vendors were actually making it harder for any and all nations to come worship the one true God. So Jesus said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you, Jewish vendors, have made it a den of robbers. And it was Tuesday. Jesus spent the day teaching parables, warning the people against the Pharisees, predicting the destruction of Herod's great temple, and telling his disciples about future events, things to come, including his own return. Then it was Wednesday. Now, the Bible doesn't say anything about that day, so we're assuming that it was a day of rest for Jesus in a, in a busy week. Then it was Thursday, the Passover, the last supper with his disciples. Jesus prepared himself and his disciples for his death. He gave the Passover new meaning. As compared to the shed blood of the lamb spread on the doorframe to rescue the Hebrews from their physical slavery to the Egyptians, Jesus would shed his blood on a cross to save all mankind from their spiritual slavery to sin. The loaf of bread and the cup of wine represented his body soon to be sacrificed and his blood soon to be shed. And so he instituted the Lord's Supper, which we will celebrate this coming Friday on Good Friday. Then they sang together and made their way to Gethsemane where Jesus prayed in agony, knowing what was about to come. Then that terrible Friday, which we call good only because of what it accomplished for us. Jesus was betrayed. He was arrested, deserted, falsely accused, and tried, condemned, beaten, and mocked. He then had to carry his cross to the place of the skull where he was nailed to that cross alongside two criminals. Then it was Saturday. Jesus' body was placed in the tomb before six o'clock, p.m. on Friday night when the Sabbath began and all work stopped and it lay in the tomb throughout that Saturday. Then came Sunday. Some women went to the tomb and found the tomb ceiling stone rolled back and the tomb empty. 
An angel told them Jesus was alive. Then Jesus went on to prove it by appearing to several people, to Mary Magdalene in the garden, to Peter, to two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and then later that day to all the disciples except for Thomas. We don't know where he was. Maybe he was doing some grocery shopping. Who knows? The point is, Jesus had risen from the dead. The crowd that had welcomed him on Palm Sunday had turned on him the Sabbath a week later. They had forgot the prophecy of Zechariah. They had forgotten the miracles. And they had forgotten what Jesus had taught, that his kingdom, which is a spiritual kingdom that penetrates everywhere, was not going to appear all at once like a geopolitical kingdom might, so that those who would call him king would have time to demonstrate their faithfulness. And for those who would not call him king, would have time to change their minds about him. Back to that first Palm Sunday. As Jesus approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from you. Your enemies... This is a prophecy that comes true. will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. That is in Luke chapter 19, verses 41 to 44. Do we, have we recognized Jesus as Lord and Savior and have we given our lives to him? If not, do you know why? Is today the day. He brings peace even in times such as these. God made you and me and loves us. His son, Jesus, embodies this love and displayed it with arms stretched open on that terrible cross. And God gives us his spirit to live within us when we invite him into our lives to confirm what is best for us, which is his will, and to convict us, to remind us when we've missed that, which is our will when we choose apart from his, is today the day to say yes to Jesus as the one who sets you right with your creator and the one who will lead you into abundant life. Now, if Jesus is your savior, and your Lord, and you have said so, and you've invited him into your life, maybe we could ask some similar questions. Have you seen Jesus, our Lord and Savior, at work in your life and or around you in your midst through this difficult time? Have you shared stories with others? Have you journaled it to remember? Have you humbly thanked him in a moment of quiet? Jackie and I have adopted this habit, I suppose we'd say, of asking each other through the day, what are three things you're thankful for? Because it's easy to get our eyes fixated on what's not going right during this crisis, this pandemic. But there are always things to be thankful for, and that can change our heart and our mind, and it can bring us peace, particularly if we understand that everything that is good comes from Jesus. What a week.
Jesus chose to spend it with his friends, confronting those who made it hard for people to know and to worship God the Father, challenging the religious establishment, and teaching his disciples. Then, he did what only he could do, as Paul records it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. And he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. Let's close by asking this question. What kind of week are you going to have? Now, I'm not saying that our weeks need to be like Jesus last week on the planet, that they can't be. But I think we could ask ourselves these questions. The first one, where's my branch? How am I making way for King Jesus in my life? How do I show him deference and honor? What parts of my life do I need to submit to him? Maybe your branch is creating some quiet time with him. Maybe this COVID time is a time for us to slow down and for us to draw closer to God in relationship with him and our families, perhaps, and friends and the neighbors we might reach out to. I remember one author saying, if our crises do nothing but bring us to our knees in prayer, then they have served a great purpose. Let's take hold of this time of quiet when we can and draw close to our Lord. Maybe your branch is choosing to do something for someone else at your own personal expense, or maybe it's changing your tone with your spouse or children or friends during this time when it's hard and you're tired and maybe feeling anxious and overwhelmed. Maybe it's choosing to trust God with all this COVID-caused uncertainty. It's hard to see the future, but if we know that God holds it in his hand for us and he has plans and purposes for us, we can be reassured that we are, we're not alone. Where's my branch? Second question is, what's one thing that I want to do this week, that I can focus on this week? What's that one thing? Do I want to reach out to family and friends to enjoy them and encourage them through this season? Or a neighbor? Do I want to break down barriers for anyone in my life who doesn't know the love of God in Christ Jesus? just as Jesus broke down barriers for all Gentiles. You might do this by praying for them. You might do this by listening to them, just calling and listening. You might do this by sharing something with them that might cause them to consider your relationship with God. Maybe a story where you've seen him at work in your days or a scripture reading. You have to be sensitive to their readiness to hear those things. Do I want to connect with someone online to be discipled or to disciple them? And those are mutual quite often. Do I want to reach out to ask for someone's forgiveness and give that relationship a chance to be restored? What's your one thing for this week? Palm Sunday begins Passion Week, the memory of our Lord's last week on the planet. May we live this week both with passion and purpose in his honor. 
being comforted by his peace so that we would be able to comfort others. Be blessed and be a blessing, Cedar Valley. Thank you.